All right, you know what it is. This is a recap of the YNW Melly case, all right? I've been watching the joint. I didn't want to say nothing, but I've been getting a lot of phone calls, you know, a lot of DMs and a lot of texts on people for me to speak on the YN Melly, uh, YNW Melly, you know, court case, all right? So let's start my little introduction, man, all right? Audio man, I'm here. Alright. I'm gonna break down the YNW Melly case, you know, hood and layman fashion. Layman means uneducated in the law. You know, so I'm gonna tell y'all where we at right now with the case, then I get into the case because a lot of y'all already know, so I don't want to run y'all off by telling y'all about the case, the typical introduction. Now, where we at right now is they trying to introduce a phone that's registered to uh, uh Melly's mother, you know. And the prosecution is trying to say that uh, Melly used the phone and he has domain and control over the phone. And wherever that phone goes, it's with Melly, not his mother. So what they're saying is that the prosecution is trying to prove that that phone was in the, was at the actual scene of the crime. Bottom line, that's what the prosecution is trying to say. They're trying to say the phone was right there when dude got shot, period, you know? And his lawyer is saying, no, the phone was in the vicinity of the area that the dude got shot. But then the lawyer made an objection to them even using the phone by saying that there's no way they could authenticate that that phone, you know, was, you know, with Melly or that he had control. I mean, not, not even that. Let me let me slow that down. I don't want to confuse you. The lawyer is trying to say that they have to authenticate you know, that what they're saying about the phone's location and the texts and everything else is accurate, 100% accurate. Only person could do that is the sender of the message, could say I send it at this time and that time, or the receiver of the message to say I received the message this time and that time, and I know it was from Melly, or the T-Mobile company that could authenticate Exactly. If those messages were sent on the phone that, you know, they're not scrambled, duplicate, you know, whatever they want to say. So only T-Mobile could verify that because they have the actual records and the sender and the receiver and the prosecution hasn't put in T-Mobile and none of them on the, on the stand yet. So therefore, you know, to authenticate that it was Melly that the message was sent to, that he received it and that it was T-Mobile to say that it was his. So that's what it is with the phone. Because now how important these phones are, right? These phones have become a part of our lives and we love them to death. We love these phones. You know what I mean? We carry these phones everywhere we go so we keep in touch with our people. We even get our kids and grandkids. My 11-year-old granddaughter, I'm riding right now. Let me ride. My 11, I want y'all to understand this. My 11-year-old granddaughter has a phone. We got all the kids' iPhones because the iPhone have the tracker location on the phone. With the tracker location, we know where our grandchildren is at, where we at, 
at all times. And, you know, we could go right into the app and see where we at. Now, for them to bring it in court, they have to authenticate that that is, you know, everything is accurate that the prosecution is saying. And the only way for the prosecution to do that is to bring in the sender of the message, the receiver of the message, or T-Mobile. They haven't done that. Being that they haven't done that, the lawyer... Um, that black dude is an animal. I don't even know his name. I got to look up his name. The black dude is an animal. The black dude, he went up there and he straight said that no one authenticated either of those things that I just mentioned. So therefore, that phone should not be admissible as evidence. So he's trying to strike the phone. If he strike the phone, he strike the message. And what they're trying to use to show that the phone belonged to Melly is Melly say, yeah, call me back at this number. You know, like, call me back. This is my number. That's what one of the texts said. So they're using that to say that this is his phone. He said it's his phone. The phone was in, was at the scene of the crime, is what the prosecution is saying, you know. And the defense is saying it was in the area of the crime. And they also, the defense is also saying that the phone is his mother phone. So that's leaving what they call a reasonable doubt. A reasonable doubt is if, they, if you could think of any reason why he's innocent, then you have to find him innocent. That's a reasonable doubt. So the lawyer's trying to put the reasonable doubt in there that the phone is in the mother's name. It's not in his name. So therefore, anyone could have been using the phone at that time. Do you understand that? I pause for y'all to take that in because that's important. That's what the lawyer is trying to prove, you know, is trying to, you know, suggest or insinuate to the jury. So you don't know if it's Melly's uh, phone. His mother might have got the phone and let other family members or friends use the phone, you know. Then the prosecution is say, okay, well, the phone was at the scene of the crime. Then the lawyer said, no, it wasn't at the scene of the crime, you know. And the prosecution said, yes, it was. The lawyer said, no. From the cell phone rec uh, tower records, it just shows that it was in the vicinity of the crime, but not at the actual crime. The prosecution don't even know what time the actual crime was committed. You know, so it's a it's it's a weak case, but it's a black man in America going to trial, so the rules are different. If it was a white dude, I would say different. But being that this is a black man, a young black man that done made plenty of money from rapping and things like that, and, you know, went on social media with things that's questionable, they all of a sudden saying, you know, that basically the boy is guilty, you know, by the circumstantial evidence, you know. But all the circumstantial evidence leaves reasonable doubt. So the prosecution have to close off the reasonable doubt that, the defense is trying to put out there, like the mother could have let somebody use the phone. It wasn't at the actual scene of the crime. You have to have the sender, the receiver, or T-Mobile verify that the phone, you know, was actually, you know, his phone or the messages actually went to Melly. Because it could have went to someone else that was using the phone that the mother allowed. That's a reasonable doubt. Now, they had a book that my lawyer was, I'm riding. They had a book that my lawyer was reading at trial Call reasonable doubt. That's how I learned about this. I asked him, why are you reading that? You know, what, what is that about? He said, no, it's about reasonable doubt. Give you different ideas of what could equate to a reasonable doubt. Because that's all we need to free you. I beat half my charges at trial because of reasonable doubt. Like, let me give you one with my case so you understand. They said that 
I sent money. Well, they said I instructed someone to send money, Western Union. So that's a third party because they say I instructed, you know what I mean? So that's a second party uh, to send money to someone in Virginia. That's a third party to register a vehicle. So now they had to prove that I actually told him to send it. Then they have to prove that he actually sent it. Then they have to prove that she actually received it. You follow me? That's a third party, you know? So when, when that comes up now, they came back and my lawyer said, well, how do you know that Unique order, uh, instructed him to do it? And they say, well, he said so. Well, what proof do you have that he said so, you know? And you, how do you know he didn't send that money on his own? So now the jury is listening to all this and they say, damn, maybe he didn't tell them because they don't have any proof. That proof is called reasonable doubt in that situation. So when they broke that down like that, they said that I sent $600 one time and then $1,200 another time, a total of $1,800 to register a vehicle, but they couldn't prove that I instructed them to do that. So I was acquitted of that because it didn't meet the burden of proof. And it most definitely left reasonable doubt. Because we just got a dude, uh, rap bastard, that's on stand saying that I sent the money. You know what I mean? I ordered him to send the money. And they had nothing else to prove it. No cameras, you know, with me and him talking before he went, or no cameras, me giving him money. And all these things have to be proven when you're dealing with something like this. So now, let's ride back to Melly. So that's what's going on with Melly. They got to show the sender, the receiver, or T-Mobile verified that it was Melly's phone, the message was sent to Melly, and that he received the message. They can't prove all of that. So the lawyer is saying that, you know, he objects to it. He wants them to strike the whole phone and everything got to do with the phone. And the prosecutors say no, but the phone shows that he was at the scene of the crime. The lawyer say no. The phone shows that the, 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 the record, uh, the phone shows that the phone was in the vicinity of the crime. But you haven't authenticated that he had control of the phone and that it was in his possession or that he was there because you don't even know when that doggone crime occurred. You follow me? Right, I'm making it real simple. You know, this is who talk because I know all these legal jargon and all these other, you know, law shows. They make it real complicated. But that's what's going on. So that's the objection that's going on today. Now. For those of y'all just coming in, let me break it down to you as far as what's going on in the case. The case is built on circumstantial evidence. There's no DNA, you know, so there's no physical evidence that's leading Nelly, you know, implementing Nelly and uh, Melly in the crime. All they have is a video of him getting in the SUV with the victims before they died. But the victim went, uh, the vehicle went from point A to point B. The lawyer done insinuated that Melly could have gotten out in between point A and point B. Now, if he did do that, then that means that he wasn't there when it happened. He don't know what happened. Da, 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 you know, so the prosecution is now trying to say that, no, Melly stayed in that vehicle, you know, allegedly. And Melly allegedly killed these people, shot him in the head because, you know, the trajectory of the bullets, meaning the angle that the bullet went in, you know, the head, you know, and killed them was from the backseat, not from shooting in the side in a drive-by shooting that the prosecution is trying to say. The prosecution is saying that, you know, Nelly, uh, Melly's story that, you know, 
they went and got in a drive in a drive by shooting, or uh, you know, one of them shootings, and somebody shot up the car, the SUV, and the cameraman drove it there. The cameraman was on um the stand yesterday. They used the cameraman for this. This is what they're trying to prove with the cameraman so you understand, because y'all might not even understand what's going on. All they want the cameraman to do is say that, you know, Melly was there. They can't get him to say he was there. So they got him saying that he changed his clothes. So they're saying that the prosecution is saying that being that they is the prosecution. The prosecution is saying that being that Melly changed his clothes, that he changed his clothes because he had blood on it. The cameraman took them to the hospital. He had no blood on his clothes, but yet he said he was in a drive-by shooting. And they're saying that if the bullet would have hit, you know, in the head, da, 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 the blood would have splattered and it would have been some blood on the cameraman's clothes, you know, Mr. Glass. You know, I think it's Trevion Glass. Well, Mr. Glass, uh, you know, testified he was in drive-by shooting. He drove the joint to the thing, and, you know, that's what happened. You know, prosecutors say, nah, you're faking. You know, bottom line, Melly went to kill him. Y'all drove him somewhere, killed him, and then he got out the car. You drove the car for, you know, whatever reason, probably cash, insinuating, you know, some type of benefits, to the hospital to report this shooting. Or should I say this murder? And then once you've done that and you reported this murder, you know, there was no blood on you. So therefore you're lying. And the prosecution put on evidence from specialists saying that the angle that the bullet, which is called a trajectory, that the bullet went in the head was not equivalent to a drive by. It was equivalent to someone in the backseat. And they showed the video with Melly getting in the backseat. And they saying that's where the shooter was at where that video shows Melly originally getting in the car, but they don't even know the time it happened. You understand what I'm saying? Or really even, you know, my opinion, the actual location that it happened because dude, you know, drove the uh, vehicle with the victims to the hospital. So all this is reasonable doubt and circumstantial evidence. I, I've seen, er, let me ride. I was in Virginia going to trial in June 19. 94. Y'all could look this up. It was a white dude in the military. I think it was in the Navy. And, you know, they accused him of killing his wife. And it's the first time I ever seen this. And a lot of Americans have never seen this. They accused him of killing his wife. And a young kid, you know, was in his 20s. His wife turned up dead. Da, 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 da. But they never found the body. But they charged him with murder. Now, how you charge somebody with murder without a body? They took him to trial for killing his wife, that they never recovered the body, so they don't know if she's dead or not. But the jury believed by reasonable doubt that he killed her, you know, allegedly, and hid the body, or disposed of the body, and that's why they didn't find it. That's where the reasonable doubt come in. They believe all the circumstantial evidence that the prosecution put in dealing with, you know, this young man allegedly killing his wife and disposing of the body. I thought you had to have a body to have a murder. That woman could be alive right now anywhere. But they found this dude guilty and gave him life with no parole in, you know, military prison or whatever, you know, because it was a military crime. So, you know, that's where we at. So that's what's happening right now with Millie. They have no physical evidence. They have no DNA. There's no gunshot residue on his hands, clothes, or anything. But the uh, the cameraman is saying 
that drove that drove the uh, vehicle or allegedly drove the vehicle, however you want to play with it for YouTube, to the hospital. The cameraman is saying that Melly changed his clothes. So they saying the prosecution is saying that's why there was no residue on his clothes. So you know that's where we at. So now there's no gun. Uh, they don't have to prove motive, and there is no motive. You know what I mean? And they try to say that Melly allegedly killed these kids because of the gang, uh, you know, the gang activity. But they have no texts from gang uh, members um, telling them to do it or anything insinuating for him to do it or that he had any problems with the gang for him to do it. So it's all circumstantial, you know? So the, 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 the crazy part is that the prosecution don't even know when the shooting happened, you know, the, the exact time. Because they normally say we said this time, that time. And, if, you know, especially now it's easier with cameras. It's nothing. You know what I mean? So um, the prosecution is also using pictures for you youngins that's watching. So you understand when you're around people that's, you know, that's active because you think it's cool or they're a childhood friend and you just want to be with them or whatever. You know, the prosecutor is insinuating that, because Melly wore red, the color red and the color green, and the beige sometimes. They're saying that uh, allegedly that the gang with soldiers wears beige, and that's why he wore beige. The man could have just liked the colors and put on the colors. But when your life is on the line and they're trying to put all the circumstantial evidence together, that's what it is. That witness yesterday was damaging because he said he changed his clothes. If he wouldn't have said that to me, he would have been decent. But once he said that he changed his clothes, that knocked out the DNA and, the, uh, you know, the, the reason for why it was no DNA and why it was no gunshot residue. So that's how crazy that is. You know what I mean? So now they also introduced pictures of Melly throwing up gang signs. You know what I mean? I'm not going to do any because I don't want to offend anyone and it's a respectful channel. They're trying to say they got pictures of him and they show pictures of him thrown up uh, alleged gang signs. Whether it was real gang signs or not, I don't know, and it's not what I'm here to report on. So, therefore, they're saying that he's in the gang because of the signs and because he wore red and because, you know, he wore green and because he wore tan. So now you can't wear red, green, or tan, especially if somebody gets, you know, killed in, you know, the gang or something have to do with the gang. That's how easy it is. You know what I mean? So now... They also put on some other evidence that Melly asked his mother to get a gun for him. But that gun, the murder didn't happen right when the mother got the gun. You understand? But he told his mother he needed a gun. He could have feared for his life. He could have just wanted a gun. He could have been paranoid. You know what I mean? For whatever reason. But that don't mean that, you know, he had his mother buy the gun to commit the murder. But that's what the government is using as circumstantial evidence. He told his mother to get a gun, and then they was killed by this type of gun and this kind of gun, and they running all this, you know, foolery around. So that's what's going on with the uh, ML Melly case, uh, MNW Melly case, just so that you understand. But now to wrap it up at the end, where we at right now today is the, uh, the defense, that black dude is an animal, I love him to death, he put on an excellent explanation, you know, of that, you know, there's no one to authenticate the phone or the phone's actual location to put the phone at the actual seat of the crime. 
if you was watching it on um, TV, you heard the lawyer say that there's no one to authenticate that he took 20 steps this way, 15 steps that way, and 30 steps that way. That's just the prosecution saying it. So the prosecutors say, no, we showed that the phone was in the um, was at the scene of the crime. And they said, no, it was in the area of the scene of the crime. And you haven't even showed authenticity that he had control of the phone or that the phone was at the actual scene of the crime. So that's where we at right now. To me, for me watching just my opinion and my opinion only that government that, uh, judge is trying to railroad him because that's just cut and dry. All the judge got to do is say, okay, we'll call T-Mobile in here to verify the records. That's all they got to do. You know? But the judges say, no, you should have asked for T-Mobile sooner. You know? So the lawyer's saying that, no, I shouldn't have asked for T-Mobile sooner. The government should have had T-Mobile here to authenticate it, and then I object. The lawyer's saying it's not my job to tell the prosecution to get expert witnesses you know, so I could object. I'm objecting because they don't have expert witnesses. And you, Your Honor, here's case law, a number of case law that all these guys got railroaded and every last one of them was overturned by the appellate court that you have to show, you know, the the, the uh, foundation, the, you know, the um, authenticity of, you know, the actual testimony, the evidence, you know, period. Just like I broke down in my case how they had to show that I ordered him to do it and he was doing it at my order other than him just saying he did it at my order. Because then they even went, er, let me ride. Then they even went to the witness in my case, the female, and then the female say, did you, did he tell you he was going to send you the money, you know, the $600 or the $1,200 to register the vehicle? And she said yes. Right past it. But she said yes. You know what I mean? Now, even though she said yes, she they, my lawyer asked them, how do you know that Unique actually told the bastard to send the money? And she said, oh, because Unique told me he was going to send it. You know what I mean? So they said, oh, Unique told you that he was going to tell the rat bastard to send it. So therefore, you know, you believe that Unique actually told the rat bastard to send it. And of course, she said yes. So then my lawyer comes back now and he says, okay, did you hear Unique tell the rat bastard to send it? She said no. But Unique told me he was going to tell the rat bastard to send it. My lawyer said, no, you can't use that because you didn't hear Unique tell that rat bastard to send it. Gotta give him a bunch of gunshots. Gotta give him a, gu a bunch of gunshots. Gotta give him a bunch of gunshots. You know what I mean? And that's the way that play out. So it's the same thing with the phone. The phone is in Melly's mother's name. You don't know if Melly was used. The mother could have been letting anybody use the phone. But I won that case with the reasonable doubt and everything else. Because the reasonable doubt that there's no way in heck that this girl heard me tell him to send it. I told her, uh, allegedly, I was going to send. I have him send it. But she had to prove that she heard me say, tell him to send it. That's the chain of command of foundation. Now, so they got to prove that the phone, you know, was in Melly's control. The phone was registered to his mother. And, you know, you know what it is. But anyway, you know, Cash App is on the screen. Subscribe.
subscribe, subscribe, and follow me at Instagram at Unique Maker Audio. It's on the screen. Cop my book, A Roaring Harlem Fire. You want to know what happened, what twisted me up, how I was put in a position to learn this crap. And that's why I'm trying to tell the youth, don't do it. Don't go on the street so you don't have to be a part of this crap. Can't say no easier than that. Now, for that, let me just tap out and let y'all know, have a good Wednesday or Thursday, whenever I decide to put it up. Cheers. 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 Fresh out the can of 26, yeah. he back on the strip, uh-huh. getting back in the mix, yeah. what he mentions a gift, Trust. you stand up 10 toes down, and I suggest you pay attention to this, Real. take a little gully posse and put it in haul, uh. he cut from the bottom, back. came up from the bottom, back. drop the book, you should go and get it, an Instagram it. page and a YouTube, you could go and visit, yeah. then you could consider yourself LinkedIn, Real. sit front row and get juice from a kingpin, uh. how he went through it so you ain't gotta go do it, uh-huh. did not pay attention would be stupid, talking about the man that probably put your grandfather on probably the reason that him and your grams got along a man that generated millions on the block did his time never squilling to the cops make an audio Get it live like two G's in the 90s. Yeah. Drop top beamer so shine. Yeah. I let shorty go, she was wine. Treat her like my past, she behind me. Spin a couple bands on the dapper dan. You be back again, getting green like a Packers fan. No cap, it's a roaring uptown. Baby horn uptown, Dominican bust down. Now we on the positive. You we got a lot to give. Now you trying to stop the kids from being inoperative. So take heed, homie, lend the air. He started in uptown, he gon' finish dead. But now it ain't about selling drugs, buying cars. It's about buying property to make the community ours. So we can give back to the youth them. Cause they the truth them. And bless up to all the rude men. Yeah.